I'm Holly. I'm a business strategist who loves a good plan and flowchart and is crazy passionate about teaching women like you how to build your dream job and scale to six figures and beyond without sacrificing your weekends and priorities. I believe strongly to my core that you can create a routine you love with the right strategy, product suite, aka what you are actually selling, and simple systems to create a lifestyle that works and a business that scales without burnout. Because here's the thing, it's not just about managing your time. It's about embracing that time freedom and really working on unlocking that freedom together so that you can do more of what you love. After 22 years in corporate strategy, working for Fortune 500 companies, I ditched the office to build a now seven-figure business with my husband full-time. And P.S., we did it in less than two years during the pandemic with twins. Oh my goodness. My goal here is to provide you with unfiltered insights into behind the scenes of entrepreneurship. What works, what doesn't practical tips you can implement right now, as in right after listening. I want you to consider this podcast, your online business MBA, delivered directly to your inbox, intertwined with the realities of being a working mom, exploring life, and the invaluable lessons learned along the way. Think of the Crush the Rush podcast as your weekly one-stop shop for actionable business planning, guiding you on the next steps and explaining the why, the really important things behind each move. We'll keep you motivated and uplifted as you learn from some of the industry's best experts. So grab your sparkly beverage, I'm sipping on a chai tea, and get ready to learn to do less better. Let's scale your dream business and finally have the freedom to focus more on what you love. This is the Crush the Rush podcast. I am super excited to announce that the next cohort of the Collective Mastermind is officially kicking off. And the best part is, is we gave it a makeover. So the new nine-month mastermind is nothing like you have ever experienced before. Because as we say, a life priorities-focused business is the fastest way to multi-six figures. And I'm going to teach you exactly how. So if you aren't familiar with our mastermind, we combine strategy and mindset and then layer on our sought-after community and toolkit. But let's just get real for a second. So in today's business and economy, you have to continue to grow and pivot or you're going to be left behind, period. What makes this different? I have only run my business in a pandemic, a recession, or whatever you want to call our current state. We now have a full team and I have retired myself and my husband in less than three years. And in the last 15 months, we have crossed the half a million mark in revenue. And I did most of this while working full time. I'm not saying this just to throw out numbers. I am saying this to show you that it is possible. This mastermind is not cookie cutter. It is not one size fits all. I actually adapt to you and your goals and provide you with the structure and accountability to scale. And my ultimate goal, again, let's just be real, is for you to make your investment back and more. Unlike other masterminds, if you happen to have mastermind trauma, you actually get access to me directly. As in, I am right here building it with you. You get the power of the group, but the benefit of the one-on-one. So this is a perfect fit for you if you have started a business and are ready to scale to multi-six-figure and seven figures. You are ready to buy back your time and energy. You want to expand your team in a way that makes sense for you and saves time. 
you are ready to have consistent 10K, 20K, 30K months and beyond, and you are really ready to step into that true CEO role. It is time to pivot. It is time to be a part of a community to support you with the expansion, alignment, and profit that you want to make in your business. So I'm going to make this super, super, super easy because my goal is to help you do less better and make more money. Who doesn't want that? Just DM me mastermind and I'll share you the next steps and how to apply. You can also grab the link in the show notes or go to hollymurrayhaines.com forward slash crush the rush collective. And yes, in case you were curious, all of our famous retreats are included and they also got a makeover too. So just DM me mastermind and I will share the next steps with you or you can go to hollymurrayhaines.com forward slash Crush the Rush Collective. On this episode of the Crush the Rush podcast, we are chatting with Make Shift Happen author and motivational speaker, Anthony Trucks. And before we get into the episode, I am telling you, this is the boost of motivation you need before the end of the year. Anthony is a former foster child, NFL football player, competition on America, Ninja Warrior, author, shift coach, and entrepreneur. And he shares his story from foster care to the NFL to now successful business owner and family man and has accomplished what statistics would say is impossible. As a speaker and identity shift coach, Anthony teaches you how to access the power of your identity and expand into your capacity, tap into your full potential, and make shift happen. Inside this episode, we're going to uncover what's in your blind spot that's keeping you stuck, how to shift your identity, and the unsexy side of success, that dark side that you maybe don't want to talk about yet. This is such a jam-packed episode. Make sure you stay to the end because Anthony shares some amazing stories and resources for you. I can't wait for you to listen. Hello, Anthony. Welcome to the Crush the Rush podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm ready to rock, Kelly. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I forgot this goes though. I know. I love it. So I've had the opportunity to hear you speak multiple times. And I have to say every time I walk away, just feeling so motivated. And I love how you We'll take something that seems really complicated and put it into a step-by-step strategy, which yeah. is something that I love. And so for those of people listening that don't know your background and your story, can you just give a little insight into what you do and how you do it? Yeah, yeah. my uh, my expertise is in identity. It's all about how to make shift happen or make an identity shift, because I believe the next level of what we want comes at the next level of who we are. That's not a it sounds all soft and frilly, but it's not as soft and frilly as it sounds. It really gets down to the grid of like, there's certain things that, that we want to accomplish in life. And we have to be the person who's able to wield the tools that we purchase or invest in. And when you can, life becomes amazing. This happened, I guess my journey to this happened for like life. I was given away as a kid, experienced a lot of hardship, uh, grew up in a really poor all-white family, wasn't adopted until I was 14. So I was like 11 years in a foster care system. So it's a long journey trying to figure out who is Anthony, where do I fit, which is why identity was always this thing. And then I had to navigate different parts of life to figure out how to find success. At first, it was football in high school and then played in college, had a kid in college, but my dad in college, my mom was diagnosed with MS in high school, like these weird things. Ended up having a blessed opportunity to play in the NFL. NFL stands for not for long. So in my third (laughs) year, turned my shoulder, came home, had to navigate again, who in the world is Anthony, especially without this game of football I've done for 13 years. And that led me down this pathway towards breaking my life, uh, taking some extreme ownership of stuff. And for the first time, intentionally 
shifting who I was at identity level and turning into uh, this guy you see today. Well, no, I'm better than the guy I was when I first made the shift. But it started the kind of whole process towards becoming the man I am today, who is uh, a father, a husband, a man of God. I'm a coach. I'm a speaker. I do a whole lot of weird, cool things. But I, I like to teach people how to make shift happen in life, and that is that's my core focus. That's what I I wake up in the morning to do. It's it's remove the f. You get what it means. It's how do you do that thing that's that makes you just have elation. That's what I like to show up and do in the world. Yeah, I love that. So can you dig a little bit deeper into maybe those moments where you were trying to find your identity or you were really struggling with what was the next step to take? How do you get mm-hmm. to that next level? Yeah, we'll go back to probably the most, I guess, recent one, right? Because I can go back to childhood and all that kind of stuff. But here's what people will, uh, that are listening resonate with most. I was divorced. I was living in a 500 square foot studio apartment with my three children on a twin mattress, air mattress, by the way, next to my bed. That was a twin size bed. I had a business that was kind of up and down, but it was, you know, just not really thriving the way it should. Every two weeks, I was stressed about, can I pay payroll? Two weeks later, can I pay rent and payroll? To the point of, at one point, I would borrow $5,000 from my ex-wife, had a car that wouldn't run. This was all crazy. Like, it was just, this was the situation I was in. And I realized that as much as I want to complain about the market not being good and, you know, the economy is off and the business is just, there's things that were out of my control. The marriage fell apart because of her and all these things, there was a moment in time when I woke up and I go, man, I'm the common denominator in all my problems. We all are. We, we are the core centerpiece to everything that is either not going the way we want it to or is going bad, right? Because sometimes we're, we're not in a dark bottom. We, not everybody listening is in a dark hole, right? But they're not where they want to be. And if you're not where you want to be, you have to center up and go, all right, while things may not be in my control, I have control of me within these things, within these situations. And so for me, that was the first time I stood back and said, okay, where was my fault in the marriage falling apart? Where was my fault in the business not being successful? Where was my fault not being a present father? And usually the brain doesn't want to see the the person have to take those chinks, those hits, you know, but I had to own them. And the more you do that, the more you get to see what the true aspects of your humanity are. And so that started with me having a lot of quiet nights tucked away, sitting in a room, asking questions, a couple of tears here and there of ownership. But then that's all good and well. And then you ask the next day, well, how do we figure out what we do? And to be honest, two things. One, you'll know at your core. But other part is there'll be people that tell you, like best friends that would that come back to the fold. And I would kind of shut out because I don't want to hear their mouth right now. I'd let them listen. I'd let them speak and I'd listen to them. So people will tell you what to do. But just because you know what to do doesn't mean you'll do it. Like I'm sure you and everybody listening at some point have been like, I know I probably shouldn't eat that burrito right now, but that thing, I'm going to do it anyways, you know? And we, we know what to do, but we don't always do what we're supposed to do. Or we'll buy courses and we'll get down the pathway and we'll find out, hey, it's an eight-week program. And at week five or six, it just, it gets a little harder. I don't know what to do. And this thing that's here, it's like, ah, it's not what I'm to do that. And so what we do is we find really amazing ways to distract ourselves. And the reality is we don't own up to the fact of two things. One, I'm afraid of it. I wasn't afraid it would already be done by now, but the fear somewhere slows us down. And two, the actions that it takes to progress farther feel out of my current identity or out of character for who I am. I don't write those things. I don't do websites. I don't run social media ads. I don't speak. I don't do the PTA. I don't coach, whatever it is. You can look at yourself and go, have you done that? Nope. That thing is me to do it. I don't do it. So I don't do it. Right. And so what happens is I look at my dream float away. Wondering why I'll never get it. The reality is, going back to the center point, you're the common denominator. 
you must do out of character, out of identity actions to get into the identity of the person that has what you want most. So that next step becomes this progression towards how do I do these things that feel like a fish out of water to me? That feel like I'm wearing somebody else's skin, if that makes sense. And when you can lean in and figure out what those things are and then start leaning in and doing them slowly, but surely your life turns into something cool. And so that, that becomes the journey to doing it. And, uh, and the more, the more you can accept that the better your life will be, to be quite honest. Yeah. I love that. I know one of the things that you've been talking about, and I don't know if I'll get the quote bite, but it's something about like diamonds are formed sort of in the dark, right? So you're doing like the dark work. And so I'm really interested. So you're sort of in this place, right? So we're describing this scenario where maybe you're not feeling as motivated and you're not where you're at. And you're saying take mm-hmm. action. And you're also saying like, well, you got to lean into that like dark side to get to the light. Side. Yeah. Can you sort of expand on what that means? Yeah. There's a statement that I heard. I don't know when I heard it, but it, it started with the simply the first achievement is difficult, incredibly difficult. The second is inevitable. And so when you think about this idea that the first one is difficult to get to, and the second inevitable is because the things that you do, you eventually become the person who does those things. It's inevitable to get the next tier. And so I looked at, okay, what's that? And so I, I was actually, as I was saying, I was like, do I talk about this dark work idea? I was like, I don't know. And then you brought it up. So let's do it. <laughs> I uh, thought so it was really interesting. It is because it's it ties heavy to so many people are loving this and I'm loving that people are loving it. But it was this, this part of my story when I talk about when I was 15, I went from being a sucky football player to being a phenomenal football player that led to the NFL. And there was a window of time for seven months where I showed up every day and I did the thing, I did the work, but I would get ridiculed. Teammates would make fun of me. Trucks, you got butterfingers. Why are you catching footballs? You're skinny, wide lifting weights. You're slow, wide running routes. Like you get ridiculed for the things you're doing different that are out of character, but they're out of character to be better. So I got, you know, there's these consistent just, you know, jokes and, and me made fun of. But the interesting thing is when I showed up the next year, there was this mentality. It was in my gut, in my soul that, that, that I had done too much work in the dark for you to take what's mine in the light. I was going to shine, period. I was going to shine mm-hmm. because I already paid the dues. You couldn't take this from me. I was already mine. And so what happened was I, I, I realized over years, I kind of done the exact same thing. And what I called is dark work. It's that stuff that is unsexy, unseen, unsupported, sometimes ridiculed that allows you to shine the most in a light. And I think that those dark things that you do that create what I call like that dark energy of like, it's this grit, it's that grind, it's that that push. And then what happens is that dark energy, if you call it, powers your shine. The darker, the harder the thing is, the more value, the more pride you have to perform, to show up. You don't have imposter syndrome when you've spent years creating, developing, researching, right? Athletes don't, don't fear getting on the field when they spent the offseason beating their body up and preparing and learning. They show up and it's like, hey, you don't know what you're about to get, right? There's this, this shine that takes place. And so at a psychological level, you get this idea of you must do dark work to get to the point of shining the brightest in the world so you can accomplish what you want, achieve what you want. Through that dark work, what you consistently do is you become that person. So everything I just talked about, it's done through dark work. Now, we'll call it a, a neuroscience level or you know, a deeper level. If you think about the idea of who you are. You are who you are based on the way your brain fires, the, the pathways, the synapses. Like There's a lot of ways that, the, you know, that your brain just kind of functions based off of who you are. And that happens because of experiences you had through your life. You experienced something. I, you know, I had this traumatic thing take place or this joyful thing take place or I've spent five years doing this. And all those experiences are the things that created the ability for you to shine that you've already done this stuff, right? 
And the reality is, is if you want to accomplish something higher, make more money, have more joy, have a better marriage, all these things, there's going to be a different way you have to show up to shine. So dark work you have to do has got to be for the first time, maybe in your life, very strategic because most people, we only do it uh, when crap hits the fan, not so much on demand intentionally. And so what I realized was, was we have to go back to the core of what we've already done is think about, well, how do I rewire, right? If the wiring I've done so far got me here, how do I rewire? And the way you rewire is through, again, experiences. That's it. You have to have an experience. Like my kids, I can tell them, hey, it's really hard to run a mile, right? And they can think about it or I can make them run a mile. <laughs> and they go, oh, it really is hard to run a mile, right? Because the experience wires you differently. And so when I talk about all this stuff to bring it back down to solid earth, in order for you to get what you want most, you got to become that person. You become that person to the dark work. And the dark work you do must be an experience. It must be something that is hard, that is, is anguish, that is ridiculed sometimes because you're stepping out of the normal box people see you in. But that is the process to rewiring the way you literally function so that the idea of the first achievement's difficult makes sense to where at the next stage, the second achievement's inevitable because you have rewired. You have to, gone through the experience. And so what I do is I guide people through these dark work experiences. It's 12 weeks. It's a process. We don't have to go into it at all, but realize it's, it's something you have to architect and execute because if you don't architect it, you'll, you'll eventually, it's what happens with some people. I have a goal of a million dollars, right? Okay, cool. Or I want to lose 20, 30, 50 pounds, right? Cool. And they do that and they get there and go, I don't like who I am with this. I, I, I got a million dollars, but I, I mess up my marriage. I'm not a present husband. And to that aspect, I'm not a good father. I, I've lost people that were close to me. I've gained weight, whatever. You can get to that, that goal having done it incorrectly if you didn't architect it properly. But what if you did it properly and you maintained time with your wife and time with your kids and took care of your body and had great friendships and you make a million dollars, right? It's a beautiful experience of life. There's a whole different way you live your life because you, for the first time, architected that thing properly. And so done properly, you will eventually achieve an amazing thing, but at the same time, transform into an amazing human. Yeah, I love this. I feel like I have so many questions about this dark work and experiences, and I'm guessing it's pretty custom to every person. But let's say you're sitting in like the suburbs of Ohio, like we are, and you're listening and you're like, I'm building a business. And I'm not feeling motivated. And Anthony's telling me to like mm. dig deep and like craft this experience. Yeah. What would an example look like? Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. So you ever notice that sometimes we don't show up for ourselves the way we should? Mm -hmm. You ever notice that if your friend that you love the most calls you at two in the morning, you will get out of your house. You will leave the house with, with one shoe on and go help them. Yeah. Right. The, and it's because a certain level of respect that falls in place. So the respect leads to the love. And when we have goals we've set and things we're supposed to get done, it's supposed to get done. And then what I do is I don't follow through. I lose respect for myself without realizing it. Therefore, I don't love myself the way I should. Therefore, I don't show up for myself when I say, hey, three o'clock, get the workout in, you know, two o'clock, make this phone call, whatever these things are. And so I've found that a lot of people don't realize that a lot. It's just setting up a structure and following the structure. Like it's, it's really that simple. So to go back to your question, to make it more we'll call it understandable. For me, the way I look at it is go, you have to take a look at who you are. Like you have to see these things. I had to take a hard look when I was, you know, sitting that moment of realizing like I suck as a human when I was, you know, after my marriage, three years divorce. And I'm remarried my ex-wife. Those who may not know, I've remarried my ex-wife. I'm an amazing marriage. I'm a present father. Like my life is dope. I love what I get to do. And it's fueled by an actual genuine life behind the scenes that is functional. 
And so you have to go back and take a look at yourself and see what's going on. So we do it through a process we call the roots and fruits. And it allows us to see what are the roots in our life that produce the fruits in our life. There's 10 areas of life experience within this. And so what happens is you, you actually have to pull everything apart because you could be like, I'm fine. But if I start to pull things in back, I can go, oh, you're not fine. You're okay in two areas. You suck in eight, but because you only see the two, you think you're fine. But let's take, you know, we can find these areas. And then what you can do is you can get strategic with what you actually focus on fixing or adjusting or improving. So we take a look at these things and we start breaking down for each area. What is a tangible, tactile vision of what a goal will be to fix this or what it'll look like? Mm -hmm. So I, I can choose for one example, let's say I choose to look into career, right? Of one of the 10. What does that look like? Oh, I want to have a great career. What does that mean? What does what does it look like, touch like, taste like? Literally, I'll, my career could be: I want to wake up every day and I want to have you know ten one-on-one clients that are working in the area of trying to become great speakers on stages. I want to be able to make enough money from this thing that allows me to, when I turn work off, to be off and spend time with my family. Right? Make it t touchable. I want to go and see, you know, at least one concert with my wife every two months. I want to take a two-week vacation. It sounds like like lofty dreams, but if you don't have it touchable like that, you can't create a plan towards it. That's the next part of it. It's once you have this idea for each area of what the specifics are, that would be a vivid, clear vision of that. I got to go into what I call dark work design. I must design what my daily dark work will be. What are the routines? What are the projects I'll put in place? For me, I break every project down very specifically. So that it turns into this thing where I know by the hour what I'm doing. You could ask me right now on Tuesday in three weeks at 8.35 in the morning what I'm doing. And I could tell you. I know these. Every four weeks out, I know what's going on. And it sounds rigid, but I'm going to get to the point where this makes sense. Because the idea is if I talk about dark work, dark work is hard. It's really, really hard. But the problem is most people, they, they, they think in the moment of emotion, I can do it. I'm going to show up and do it. And then like two weeks in, it's too hard. And it's not that it's actually physically too hard. It's just the mind can't juggle all these things you wanted to get done because you didn't systemize it, structure it, create a plan, anything. And so what I'm real big on doing is kind of giving you this understanding of like, think about fitness. If I get a gym membership and I go to the gym and I walk in the gym, most people walk in a gym and they look at this just sea of machines. I could do a million things in here. Oh my, I could do so. So there creates this anxiety of, I don't know exactly what to do. So I touch this machine and that one and then, and then I leave there and I go, oh, I don't like that feeling. I'm going to find a way to avoid it from now on subconsciously or even consciously, right? And then I go, what if you walked in the gym and someone grabbed you by the hand and said, here, here's your first exercise. Do it here to this many sets, this many reps. Okay, cool. When you're done with that, come to this one. Cool. And they go, just so you know, everything you're doing is perfectly in line to get you the physical, a dream body you've ever wanted. You don't even have to think. You just show up and do what you naturally do. You work. We're good at working, but the thinking about working is the hard part. So when I do all of the breaking down, my goal is to present you with here is your plan for every day of the next four weeks from this window to this window. Not all day, obviously. And what you do is just show up and do what you do best. Work. There'll be days you don't want to, but you work. You can stay disciplined to the plan. And now you start those dark work deposits, building that dark work energy over and over. And what happens is you are now building in. So if you're in the middle of Ohio doing whatever, your plan might only have a couple of things. Maybe it's, I want to you know, spend 30 minutes every other day doing a walking workout. Cool. And I want to make sure I'm reading a couple of books. Okay, great. And I want to make sure I do a date with my husband. Okay, cool. And I want to focus on working this window. Cool. You build it in. And it might only be five hours a day of the things you're doing, but they're the proper things in the right order, organized so far out that you're not stressed off when the next one's going to get done. So you can focus on what at hand. And then what you do is show up and you make the deposits. And here's a beautiful thing. The first couple of weeks suck. They do. It's, if you think about going to a coffee shop and I got to work, 
I go to the coffee shop and I, for the first five minutes, I'm scrolling on my phone. And then 10 minutes and I'm like, I got to stop, I got to work. And then I put the phone down and I just, okay, I'm going to focus. You focus. The first five minutes, they kind of, they kind of suck. You're like, your brain's you know, all over the place. And all of a sudden you pop up an hour later and you go, oh, an hour disappeared and you were in flow, but you got that thing done. You feel good. Like that's how it happens. So this dark work experience, the first two weeks are kind of tough, but eventually your head just kind of goes down. You go to work and you pop up 12 weeks later. And it's interesting what the feeling you have as a human is vastly different because if you stayed the course properly and you leaned into people and you were accountable and you kept accountability, what happens is you have a, something accomplished. So you have this immense pride. Like, look what I did. I wrote the book. I may, I got in great shape. I lost the pounds. I ran the marathon. You, you have this ascent, you know, of wealth of just human pride, but you also have this, this accomplishment that's under your belt. It's all duality. And so what happens is it's not drudgery every day. It's the first two weeks are kind of, ah, it's tough. And then eventually becomes more flow, more who you are. And interestingly, at 12 weeks, the, the brain and body kind of like sync up and it becomes this unison of a, of a feeling. And now that's where that first thing was difficult. That 12 weeks is difficult, but now it's inevitable because here's what happens. The first start out was really hard. It always is hard to begin. But then what happens, it becomes so normal to do it that eventually it becomes hard not to do it. You feel weird if you go to bed having not completed it. It's like it's you know, let's say it's Susan who goes to the you know goes to the gym for the first time. She never worked out. Her Instagram is just pictures of her kids and you know and the one off concert she goes to. And after a while, you see Susan starts posting pictures of her oatmeal and her breakfast. You know, daily breakfast. Okay, cool. And then like a week later, you see Susan taking pictures of her shoes. Like cool. And then you see like three weeks in, she's taking pictures of the gym she goes to. And then then all of a sudden, the trainer gets a video of her taking her push ups and you know she's doing fifteen push ups, feeling proud. And then next you know she's getting some squats in. And if you fast forward twelve weeks, you see all of a sudden. Susan is posing on her Instagram, but she's like, look at my bite. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole different Susan. And you go, well, how did she do it? She did the dark work. She just, she was behind the scenes doing the thing. Her husband probably was like, why you keep eating grass for, <laughs> for dinner? You know, like, and this is the journey of it all. But the reality of it, honestly, is that is what we all do, but we don't always do it to the level of intensity, the level of strategy necessary to really achieve that million dollar dream or the million dollar marriage or the million dollar life, no matter what that may be. And so if you have that, you said, going back to the woman in the middle of Ohio, it starts with taking a look at your life and what's going on, being very clear on each area of life, what it looks like to achieve that, taking it down to what are the actions and the habits I will apply towards that, taking those and infusing them into my life in a very simplistic way to where I can just show up and go. I, I don't, I don't, seriously, I'm not even joking. I have no idea what my schedule is tomorrow. No idea. I, I don't I don't have to think about it because I know the way my, my life is planned, how I design it. I just work on the things. If something comes in, I plan, here's a speech, here's the, the pre-event call. I'll put the slides when I'll create them here, all the, the you know, the, the things of the team here, the links here. And then I just I put into my schedule weeks out and then I leave it there. I don't even think about it. So I may show up tomorrow and it'll probably say, all right, you got a, an hour-long preparation for a speech in three weeks. Cool, let's do that today. And so I can show up in this moment and give all my mental energy to you. And to my day, I'm not going, I'm doing this, but I, got, I still have this one thing lingering and I got to get this done over here. And this has to be done. That stuff bogs your mind so much that it eats up all your mental energy in the first hour. So the rest of the day, you're like, I don't got it in me. I don't have, I, but the only thing is you just didn't prepare properly. I'm, I'm wandering it in a whole bunch of statements and thoughts. I'm hoping it's making sense because oh this my gosh, is how my brain so flows. Good. So good. I do have one quick question, though, as we sort of dig into it. So you said, you know, two weeks in and you're just starting to see maybe the momentum that you're creating. Any tips yeah. that you have to like 
go from two weeks to 12 weeks? Like when it does get hard, yeah. you are doing the work. Like what can you tell yeah, yourself yeah. to keep going? Uh, well, the way I identify with the day, not the destination, man, that's it. That's it. You, yeah. you, and also you gotta have people that help keep you accountable. I got a person I meet with every two weeks and our sole purpose of all things is to say, Hey, this is what I'm going to get done when I see you again. And then that's it. And then I show up and I, he goes, did you get it done? I got it done. Here's what I want to get done next time and vice versa. And the goal for us, the commitment is, I mean, commitment, the, the battle, the competition is to not be the person to show up first, having something incomplete. That's it. I, I do that. not want to be, nor does he want to be the first person that shows up to a call and says, I didn't get that done, dude. And you got to show it too. You got to, you got to screen share. Here it is. You can't just be like, oh, I got that done. You got to show it. If I don't see it, you, you can't walk me through it. I don't believe it, right? So, so the thing is, is you're going to naturally, your body's going to go like, I can't do this anymore. It's going to happen. It's natural. It's, it's necessary to be quite honest. Like it, you need to have the difficulty tied to the dark work you do is equal in, in, in opposition to the joy and the shine you have at the far level. When you've done something hard, your confidence is out of this world. But when you know it wasn't all that hard, it was kind of hard. You get that level of confidence. But like if I killed myself, I was working, I was sweating, I couldn't couldn't sleep, man, because my body was so sore, whatever it is. When I come back here, I'm like, let's go. Like, you don't know what I did. I'm, I call it competing with conviction. Like I'm going to compete for this thing that I want with conviction because of how hard I worked. And so at two weeks, it's going to be hard. You're going to go, I don't want to do it anymore. But you find someone who's an accountability partner who can help you go like, yeah, I know, but you got this. Let's keep pushing, right? So that person helps pull you a little bit. But also, you lean in and go, look, I, it's not going to be an all-day hard. I need to buckle in for two hours today. I need to focus for an hour. I got 30 minutes. Let's do it. And you do it. And you go, okay, I, I did it. And then tomorrow when it comes up, you go, look, I can't let yesterday's me down. Yesterday's me did the work. I got to show up. It's just day at a time. The day. Identify with the day, not the destination. Just today. Can I master today? Can I beat up today? And you go, okay, give yourself a breather. Like for me, my schedule is structured to where I'm pretty much up at 5.30. I do a morning routine with my son. I start my work day at 8. It ends at 3. Between 8 and 3, I am an animal. I, I am a ridiculously structured time monster. I, got, I literally have like an egg timer that sits on my desk that I'm always using of when I'm going to do stuff. That thing monsters my life. But then here's what happens. At 3 o'clock, you might as well like look at me and go, like, this dude must be a pothead the way he wanders the house. Just <laughs> like looking at nothing. I mean, I just do nothing. I shut down. I literally, I, I pick my kids up. I come, I, I help, I work out. I keep, I got a whole gym in the house. So I train my kids and I train my, my wife and other kids. And like, I just kind of hang out and I'm a dad. I'm just a dude. So I'm completely relaxed. And so I do that because I know that when the day is done, the way I've scheduled my life, the things that are open-ended, open loops that aren't finished, they are where they're supposed to be in progression towards the goal because I've planned it that way. I'm at peace with having that peace done today live my life. Then today when I show up, I get down, I go to work today at when three o'clock hits shutting down, I'm not doing anything. So it's just that, that, that creates that balance to where it's not hard all day. It's hard for that hour, those two hours, that chunk of time. And I go, okay, I got to get through this, man. Like, okay. When I get done, I'm a, I'm a feel good. When I got done, it's like finishing a really hard workout, the same feeling of a hard work day and a hard workout. The workout was crazy, but I never got done with the workout and go, oh, I hate that I made myself healthier in my body. You know, you go like, it was hard, but hey, I see you, Ed. I see you do, hey, good job. You know, like you look in the mirror like, oh, I do look sexy. Look at my chest, looking a little good. Okay. Like you feel good about yourself because of how hard it was. And so at that two-week window, accountability is huge. And also 
committing just to doing the hard thing that day. Don't think about the weeks, just the day. And it progresses into becoming this way where here's also part of it is you get so efficient as a human, eventually it becomes easier to do it. Like the, the thing you're doing in the first two weeks, it's hard because it's brand new. Your actual brain, your prefrontal cortex is processing more than it typically would because it's all new stuff. Like when you're learning how to use your new phone or your computer updates, like what is this program, right? That eventually you just, you can click right on a thing like second nature. I can go to my phone, click, tap up, no problem. But it's because the first part was learning and processing. Then it became habitual and easy. And so the first two weeks of your structured life, yeah, it'll be hard, but then it becomes normal regular day. And then it was, it's very easy to do it. In fact, you stack more the way that it should be is three years from now. What is hard for you today? You should be like, Oh, I I could do that in Tuesday in an hour. Like what's going on? I I look back at my old self and go, how could he not do that in a day when I can do that now in two hours? You know, that's the mentality it should be. Yeah. I love that. So I was going to pivot a little bit, which you kind of already did into what it really looks like to running a business the size that you have and also having Mm -hmm. a significant amount of free time and family time, which I think is obviously so important. So, you know, you talked a little bit about time management and white space and taking those breaks. What do you think contributes to being able to, I hate the word balance, but prioritize that? I have harmony. I got work-life harmony. I call it hustle harmony. I actually, I trademarked that. I don't know what to do with it yet, but I like it. But I hustle, I get down, <laughs> but it's, there's harmony to it. If you think about harmony, it's like a music that has like a song that has harmony, has different instruments at different tonalities, different tempos, different, you know, different volumes. So the volume of like, you know, the guitar of work might be heavy now, but when the holidays come, the bass line, the drums of the family pick up, the guitar goes down. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. harmony. It's not balanced. The way that I do it is I'm, I'm really, really good at saying yes far enough out to say no anytime. Mm -hmm. So most people, they're planning their life a week at a time, two weeks at a time. They know something's happening in a month or happening in two months, but there's no filling up of time. So what happens is we get to a week and someone goes, hey, can you help me out? I can't next week. How about two weeks from now? Oh, I got you. I could do that because I see time in my calendar. Cool. And that that week comes to, you know, to pass. And now it's that week. And I go, man, I really wanted to go into work on this thing, but I can't. I got this meeting here and this person I got to help. I told him I'd do this. And so the reason that 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 is a problem now is because, well, I didn't give my four weeks out window of what I'm saying yes to already. I haven't taken the projects I'm working on and moved them far enough out to where if somebody says, Can you help? I go, Yeah, but let me take a look. I, I can't help you for five weeks. I got, or I got, I got time for an hour, 15 minutes and three weeks, or you got to wait five weeks. Like my window is five weeks. And so the idea is like, you have to have a plan of what you want done and then be able to have very specific yeses and nos. I say yes to projects. I also say no to things because they don't fit in the circle. I can like right now tell you, I have a book that I want to write called dark work. It's a yes for me, but it's a no for the next six months to a year. So I'm not stressing on it, not worried about it. It doesn't even even invade my my mental space. It sits on one of my lists that are very specific of what I'll do in the future. I'll I'll revisit it at a certain point and go, do I see it fitting in? If I do, cool. If not, keep it pushing out. That way I'm not holding all these things I want to get done, right? It's just like maybe five to six different things. Usually it's less. And I go, where do they fit? And they fit. And then when I go into my life, I go, this is going to be in place. It's always, my life's always four weeks out. The reasons for weeks is because then what happens if somebody asks, I don't have to say yes to them. I can say no without guilt, or I can say yes, but in a really specific time that happens to fit and will never interfere with my structure. And so that way, whenever I'm working in my day, here's the biggest thing people don't notice. 
my ability and anyone's ability to be present at home is heavily predicated upon your efficiency at work. If I am able to get all my projects done or the steps of them done today, then what happens is when I leave work, I leave work. I go home. But my wife, I'm present. I can listen to her crazy stories that don't make sense, but nod my head and say, yes, I love you. I got you, babe. I can hang out with the kids and, and do whatever I want with them. I can go visit people. I can sit around the house and watch TV shows. I literally do. I'm watching Warrior Nun. I'm four yeah. episodes in, in like the last couple of days. I just watch, I just do this, right? But then the reason I can do it is because everything's where it's supposed to be. Now, now, if I don't do that, if I don't finish work, then what happens is I bring work home. I bring it into the house. So my wife's talking to me and I'm, I'm on my phone texting something or looking at something. I'm thinking of something. And she asked me a question. I can't answer it. She goes, you're not even listening to me. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about that. You know, then it comes and I got a little bickering. I got a little fight. And I got a little, you know, I have a little tension at home and that tension creates an emotional weight. And then I come back to work with that emotional weight. So I'm inefficient. I don't get everything done. It's not, it's not the quality I want it to be. So what does it do? It's unfinished. It comes back to the house with me and the cycle continues. I'm bringing work home. It's causing problems. I got low tension, low problems. I come back to work with that, that kind of funky energy and it cycles. So for me, it's like, I've got to be able to segment things, say yes to things, say no to things, keep really good boundaries, but be efficient in my workday so that work's done. I can come home and be 100% present. So then I come to work with joy. I'm here happy right now because I don't have anything lingering because I didn't have any issues with work. Wife's happy and everything's good. And I get, you know, it's a cycle that continues. And so for a lot of people, like the, the way that you create harmony is you have to figure out like where this, where the space of my life, how much am I going to allocate to work, to health, to happiness, to family. And then I got to go, what are the things I really want to put in my life now? How can I segment those time-wise? And then how do I just infuse them into my day to where, when I show up, that's the hour for that. That's, you know, the half hour for that, whatever it is. And then I do those things, complete the day's projects and then be able to go home and be at peace. So everything moves smooth. But that's, that's the beautiful part of it. And here's the last thing I'll add to it. The way that I'm able to do this is because I've set my own scale. I do not worry about the world's view of, of what should I be doing or what stage I should be on or who I should be hanging out with or how much you know, notoriety I should have, how many followers I should have. None of it fuels into my decision-making. I think about my joy of my life. And my life is joyful, mostly outside of work. Got a marriage I'm happy in. I got kids that love me. I get to live through them in certain areas. It's beautiful. I have a cool life. And so for me, yes, I could easily work into the evening until midnight. And I could, you know, and, and pick my kids up and, and work until six and do more things and do more podcasts, do more interviews and be out there more and travel more, right? This it doesn't fit me. And so a lot of the energy I have is guilt-free because I, I'm not feeling like I should be adopting somebody else's perspective of what my life should be. So you set your own scale. For like, I call it season of dad right now. I have these kids and for like six years till they're gone, I'm in season of being a dad, which means every decision is run through the filter of, am I going to be present as a father properly? If not, it's a no. And I don't care what anybody else would do. It's what I would do. And it makes me have a very joyous, peaceful life. And so because of that, I don't even have to, we'll call it bring on the, the rest of the world's judgments of what I can and should be doing. And then it also helps delineate what I'm saying yes to, what I'm saying no to, how far I plan out. And then my life is smooth. I love it. I love the word harmony. I'm going to replace that. Okay. So before we wrap up, we like to do some rapid fire questions. And rapid the first fire. one is, let's go. What's on your bucket list for 2023, either personally oh. or professionally? Oh, I don't, I don't know if I have any bucket list things. <laughs> What's a bucket list? I get, you know, I get to watch my son run his first collegiate track meet at 
mine and my wife's alma mater, which is where he was born when we were sophomores in college. So it's cool. He's running University of Oregon, Hayward Field. I don't think I have a bunch of bucket. You know, I think the one big thing is the dark work experience. I'm really excited to have that launch into the world. I don't know if I'd call it a bucket list thing, but I just want to have thousands of people who have completed their own dark work experience for personal purposes, professional purposes, doesn't matter what it is, because that I think is the, it's the game changer, especially in our world we're in today of people who, who are lacking success and seeing so many other people live lives that they could not realize the only thing that you're battling is not the skill set or the shortcut you're battling their dark hours. You could put the dark hours in, you beat them. I love that. What's an average Saturday morning look like for you? Oh, well, football just ended. So right now it's, it's nothing. I get up and I, I well, I've only had one Saturday without football and I had a speech that day, so I didn't do much, but this Saturday, <laughs> I'm just chilling, man. I just get up and I, I mean, I, we sleep in as a family. I, I usually get up like eight. They're, they're sleeping until like 10. It drives me insane. I almost threw water in my son's face today because oh he gosh. was actually sitting in bed way too late. I'm, I'm not even joking. Tell him a weird dude like that. No, I just get up in the morning and we just hang out. I don't think we do very much. I mean, we had when football's in place, get up, football games and come home, but we chill. I think I'm dreaming of the days when my girls sleep till 10 a.m. Just for yeah. fun. And we talked about this a little before. What's your favorite beverage of choice? Ooh, what's my favorite beverage? A uh, eggnog, a chai, a pumpkin chai nog, pumpkin Ooh. chai. So what you do you go? You go to Pete's. Listen to me, people. Listen to me. You go. To, you get an oat milk pumpkin chai nog. You go to Pete's. You say, "Hey, I want an oat milk chai latte, but I also want I want the milk to be replaced with eggnog, and I want you to put that that pumpkin spice pump in there. So it's an oat milk pumpkin chai nog." Oh my goodness. I don't even want to know what the calories are in that. You got to get up. It's ridiculous. First. <laughs> that is it. That is your, that's your breakfast and lunch. That's, that's a, that's a brunch calorie setup right there. It's too many, but it's so good. That. You got to go to Pete's though. Cause Pete's has the best chai. So good. Thank you so much, Anthony. I feel like I could just keep going with so many questions. You know, it's so motivational to listen to all the things that you share, share with everyone where they can find you, what you have coming up, where they can connect with yeah. you so we can connect everyone. Yeah, go to at Anthony Trucks on Instagram. I have two things. It'll be the only two things I do all of 2023. One is I speak on stage where I get paid 25000 a keynote and you know get as many as high as like six-figure contracts afterwards. And so I'm going to teach people how to create that. It's called Speak to Freedom. So if you want to grow your brand or actually be a speaker, I get the entire business structure, not like here's how to top on a stage and command it. It's not that. It's the business behind it. Yes, writing keynotes, but everything but the performing part of it. And then the other side of it is obviously if I'm going to talk about how to be a speaker, I should probably have a topic to speak about and a concept, but instead it'd be all about dark work, which is tied to identity. So I'll be doing complete year of folks on those who aren't wanting to be speakers, but want to grow an amazing life and build something cool. It's the ability to, to execute for the first time and architect a proper dark work experience. Awesome. Thank you so yeah, much. Instagram at Anthony Trucks. Yeah. Best way to find me is all over there. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Crush the Rush podcast. I honestly feel like this podcast is an extension of me and our community. And so I hope you come back and listen for more. If you're feeling inspired and ready to take action, there's actually some really amazing ways 
that you can stay connected with us. Number one, if you want to see this episode come to life with visuals and bonus behind the scenes, you can head over to our YouTube channel, which is at Holly Marie Haynes. We like to post some bonuses there. So I hope that you're excited to learn more about these topics. And then as always, you can leave a review. Your feedback helps this show grow and reach more amazing listeners just like you. We've made it really, really easy. You can simply go to hollymariehaines.com forward slash podcast and click the review button. You can also find custom playlists and more to just say thank you and offer you another amazing way to give you some support. And then last but not least, if you have questions about today's episode or a topic that you would love to have covered in the future, you can just go to hollymarriehaines.com forward slash chat. And it's me behind the scenes answering all the questions. You can text me, send me a video, leave me a message. It's super cool. And like I said, I hope that this podcast is just an extension of our relationship together. So remember that you are capable of achieving incredible things. Keep up the amazing work and I can't wait to connect with you more. I am so grateful for you and the power of community that this podcast has created. It's just so amazing to be able to connect with all of you over the last couple of years because we've actually had this podcast for almost three full years now. And because of that, I wanted to just get to know you better. So I would love it if you would head over to hollymariehaines.com forward slash chat and tell me what you think of this episode. You can text me, voice message me, send me a video, email me and ask me anything. I'm a real human. And yes, it's me on the other end answering the messages. So I would love to know, like, what did you like about this episode? What would you like to hear more about? Did something resonate with you? Or maybe inside this episode, I gave you a keyword to learn more. If I did, you can just pop this keyword into the chat. And this is a way for us to connect and chat more. So just go to hollymariehaines.com forward slash chat. And I can't wait to hear from you. 